0: Okay, so first off, I used to think for the longest time, not I never got close enough to mesquite barbecue. I used to think that it was just saying mosquito barbecue <laughs> when I was when I was little. When I was little, okay, don't don't take it the wrong way.
1: No, I just love stuff like that.
0: <laughs> I just never like paid attention, and I was like mosquito bar, and then it was like, I was like, oh mesquite, and then I was like, the hell is mesquite? Especially these are these are kettle cooked chips, so they're crispier. They get the crunch. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, I like it. So we're com- we're coming down to the end of the the Halloween's. Mm-hmm. This was a fun experiment. I enjoyed it. I did not. <laughs> you hated it? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah. I th- I felt. Coming up with John like covering his whole I I wanted to do something John Carpenter to end it, but not one of them
0: felt right. I was like, Let's just do do the whole shebang. Do do the whole guy. Well you I mean you have that I'd say you knew that one from the beginning, yeah. But you wanted to do John Carpenter,
1: yeah. I was like, well, once I figured that, once that's, once I knew that, that's how I wanted to end it, it. The rest of it kind of wrote itself, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, well, let's just let's just do this little fun spooky season experiment and uh, see how it goes. And I, yeah. I, I don't know, I think we did pretty well with it. And I know I'm I'm about as hyped as I've ever been for the end of October here, and I think we're we're gonna have have some fun with this one, yeah. Are we? Yeah. Okay. The the master of darkness, as he's referred to, mm. uh, John Carpenter. I, I I grew up on, like, the really abstract, weird John Carpenter movies. Like, the weird ones you'd never heard of, like, Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah. All, like, the, the just, not the best that he's known for, like, Halloween and the thing, which are great movies. I love both of them. Yeah. But there's also, like... The really, really weird ones that are just like, like, like Escape from L.A. Like that the, is, yeah. The, the odd I, sequel to that was from New
0: York. That was, believe it or not, my very first John Carpenter movie. Really? That I ever saw.
1: That's very interesting. Escape from L.A. Yeah. It, actually, it might have been mine, too, or at least early on, because like I, I, we just watched them all. They were on AMC. Mm-hmm. They were on whatever. HBO or whatever. It was,
0: yeah. it was that classic, like, it was like during the summer, I think. There would always be like those handful of movies that had like come out somewhat recently and they were on like HBO, Cinem- Cinemax, Showtime, whatever you had. Yeah. Whatever cable, if you could have it. Yeah. That's what it was Sometimes
1: on. it was better to get them on like the more regular cable networks because they'd have all yeah. the weird moments cut out of it. Yeah. Like all, it'd just get even weirder than it already was.
0: Yeah, but Escape from L.A. was mine. I'm pretty sure. I didn't even know who John Carpenter was at that point.
1: Yeah. He one of the ones, like, as soon as you've seen a few of them, you start putting the pieces together. Like, oh, yeah. this is a whole ass dude that's doing this.
0: But yeah, his his career
1: was an interesting one. He His dad was a classically trained musician, if memory serves.
0: Oh, that's pretty sweet.
1: yeah, his his dad was actually a college music professor, and he learned a lot of what he knew, a lot of what he pushed forward is as, as like the best qualities of his composing. But mm-hmm. he's as notable as a composer as he is for his directing,
0: which, which, yeah, which I think is beyond admirable. Like, yeah, I can barely write a sentence, let alone create a film. And then write the score on top of it.
1: Yeah, he just—he's one of those ones that is just so multi-talented, and he's—he just spent a, a few years slaving away, churning scripts out for a yeah. long time before he he got his notoriety as a director. I mean, he had, he was doing all things at once, but like before he was really starting to get the esteem. And Halloween was his first big explosion, but he had a short film that blew up. I'm going to be doing a lot of this. I already apologize.
0: There you go. Gives me a chance to. Just
1: want to be sure i get my facts straight
0: snack on these chips <laughs> so good your lips here i see you got well no I, okay i got I the see,
1: array here yeah i see you've got fog i watched the fog just today actually i really I,
0: was not not honestly i really like that movie
1: i actually watched i i had some time after too and i i because this last year I picked up the 4K remaster that they did and I haven't had a chance to go through all the bonus materials and everything. So I watched the 45-minute documentary that they had on there and there's a lot of details about making that movie that I didn't know.
0: Really? Okay.
1: The fact that they pulled almost the entire crew off of halloween and just i mean it makes sense because they had like jamie lee curtis yeah. and a lot of the others involved but also also some of the, some notable names that were involved in the thing were attached to that what's his name
0: <laughs> george romero
1: george romero did come up in that documentary too which is interesting rob Bottin, as he's called mm-hmm. stepped in late in the game in the fog apparently there was an edit that was screened of the fog and it didn't work okay. and they, it was kind to of to be
0: clear we're talking about the 1980 yes. original fog yeah not not
1: the remake of the fog i think there was like a 2000's, 2000s remake
0: yeah I want to say 2009. Yeah, somewhere around, yeah.
1: The the cast of characters that they had, not even not uh, just like the actors, but like the crew and everybody that was involved, a lot of whom were right off of Halloween's success. I mean, they were going to give another film to John Carpenter after Halloween because it yeah. was a huge box office success. And he eventually didn't want to do Halloween 2. I, I could go into that whole thing as a topic on its own because the the... Traverse of the Halloween franchise is well, a roller coaster. Like well, damn
0: it, else. let's go into it. You, you bring it up. Give me or do it's, you not. It's kind
1: of to- separate from his career, which is why okay, I don't. All right, I don't want to bring. He doesn't
0: want to do it, folks. We'll, we'll do.
1: We will do that. We will do that another time. Okay. okay. Just the Halloween franchise as a chunk is, is okay. A, is a good one, but. The Fog specifically, Rob Teen, coming in late in the game, they actually went back and reshot a lot of the material that they had because they didn't have the ghosts actually physically killing people in a lot of the coverage that they oh, had. So they, right. they backfilled a lot of that earlier on in the film because it was like lessons learned from screening the edit that they had. Yeah. It wasn't working the way that they thought it was. A lot of things weren't clicking into place, so they went back into reshoots. What I found interesting was a lot of it was just their set designer and John Carpenter with a camera, just the two of them doing it,
0: which is awesome. (laughs) Like (laughs) That's always, I always found that was one of the most frustrating things. Yeah. When you're first learning, like you're shooting a movie. First off, too, one of the things I learned quickly is no matter what you think of up here in your head, that's it's never how it's gonna play out. It's never gonna be like that. No. Never. And that's just unfortunate because I mean the mind it's it's limitless. It can be yeah. almost I would say the only way you can get as closest to what here what you come up with up here in the noggin is animation. Yeah. Now with computers, probably you can get even even closer, but still, there's always animation is
1: so on rails that it's kind of hard. to... Once you have to have it so structured to a plan that get through there, so you kind of have to know exactly where you're going.
0: But yes, like I I quickly learned that, and then how much the editing process is like an X ray machine, yeah, for the principal photography, because like you, it it really showed me how. If you don't, if your if your principal photography doesn't go right, it's it whether you try to cover it up or not, it's going to really show in the end. Well, editing. especially before the advent of
1: digital, I mean, yeah. you can bounce that tennis ball back and forth as much as you want between analog and digital, but there is a big drawback with analog is that you can't really look at an assembly edit mm-hmm. like with digital. If you have a good crew of people who are working well together, you can potentially have an assembly edit of a lot of scenes before you're even yeah. out of production, and then you can see things that aren't working and potentially fix problems that way. No.
0: It. speaking of the fog like i forgot i was dean cundy oh,
1: Yeah. yeah that was like, another thing that i dove into today i yeah. uh, was just like oh man how many did dean do because he, the, he their collaboration was cool mm-hmm. the two of them together it's just man yeah <laughs> he's so I, he was in that documentary too and he, okay. it's like his stoic nature when he talks about it he, like he's so passionate but he's still like it's just like straight as a board when he's talking yeah. about it it's it's he's he's Interesting as hell to watch, but it's kind of funny at times. He, he was even mentioning he was talking about, like, the fog in the years following and, like, mm-hmm. how people will come up to him and mention it. And he's, like, talking about how it's been referenced and stuff. And yeah, <laughs> he's like, it makes me feel old but also accomplished. Was, <laughs> the way he delivered it was so stale it was just, but yet so funny. And I loved him. I love him so
0: much. Well, no, I really haven't that, – since that's one of the more fresher ones in my mind, I really love that opening where the guy is telling the story – to the kids and just how like again this is one thing i feel like you don't get as much in today's films is the pacing i love i'm, I'm a guy who likes a slower burn yeah. story but even this movie is only what 90 minutes a little over 90 minutes yeah long. it's not very long but it feels like it has that that longer well to ghost story feel going on
1: that subject matter too with like the revenge story of the crew of the ship i think yeah. is it, it has that slow burn nature to it even though you may be not not reflecting in the runtime but it, the story itself has that weight it's this ancient story yeah Oh, absolutely, but we were talking too earlier on in in this horror run. We were talking about the fireside chat, like the go- mm. the campfire ghost story nature of things. And I rewatching this, I was like, I kind of for- forgot a little bit just how like entrenched this was in that. And I was I was ecstatic to see that at play there.
0: Yeah, no, I liked. I just liked everything like that opening that just like sets the tone, yeah. the promises, the payoff. Like, like it's a simple, solid ghost story. But that's pretty much all the exposition you need. And Mm -hmm. then it's like, boop. Okay. We're off. Yeah. So well well written, I think. Good use of
1: props, good use of just simple elements to convey like a larger element mm-hmm. to play. And yeah, Fog's a good one. Moving further on in his career, I mean, had a lot of interesting ups and downs. And I think if you look at his personal life in relation to things, it makes things make a little bit more sense for some of the ups and downs that he had. I mean, he went through two marriages, he had several kids. Separate from his directing career, he now performs scores in the vein of a lot of the movies that he used to make. Yeah,
0: he does he does a lot of like just the music now, I think, yeah. honestly, more so. And he
1: I mean he does like actual movie scores. Like he's he did the new run of the Halloween movies, he did the remake of Firestarter. He's got a lot of irons going, but he mm-hmm. also produces his own personal music with his two two sons and their collaboration is super cool. Like yeah. it's, it's basically him just like riffing shit that he likes from like Movies that he wanted to make that like maybe scripts that never got made never got made. Yeah, so it's like him just like jam sessioning with his two sons and just experimenting and it's so freaking cool. Those three albums that are currently out. Are awesome. He has another two that he's calling Anthology, where he's basically just redoing certain mm-hmm. scores that were on movies that actually did get made. So, I mean, he's just slinging stuff out So yeah. he's, <laughs> it mostly makes me laugh too. He has, he's a gamer and he has a very. He's, he's a the, gamer?
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. He, I will get into it in a bit, but he's Go very on. into Dead Space and a few others. And he, has a very significant online presence <laughs> there was a thing I think it was on Twitter popped up a few years back where somebody was talking like he had died they were like oh man I really miss John carpenter. his movies were the best and then he himself with his actual Twitter handle like went on there. And said, "I'm not dead yet, but even though even though it looks like I am, <laughs> something like that." And I was like, oh, "This dude's a freaking legend, even at his age. Yeah, <laughs> so he's he's still he still is in many ways the master, even though his directorial career did drop off after the 2000s. He directed Ghosts of Mars yeah, in 2001, which yeah, ca- I don't want to say shot his career in the foot, but it didn't do him any favors. No,
0: Yeah, that's definitely one that I remember like being." scene that like advertised in the theaters and i just remember like it was part of the marquee like john carpenter's ghost of mars and i didn't see it till years later between that and
1: escape from la he he was yeah he was creative like his critical success
0: was yeah yeah. which is it's it's tough just to make it it's even tougher to hold it going yeah Especially,
1: it. I mean, he even if you factor that in, he had an incredibly long run of success. Oh,
0: absolutely! I mean, look at like some like I, when I compare to like Spielberg, in the sense of like there's someone I never thought would kind of fade a little bit, but yeah, I, in my I'm like, yeah, he kind of has. A I would think so. It's like it's just a, it's just to show how difficult it is to to get there, stay there, but also too, it can it can take a toll on you like mentally physically just yeah. the work he, that goes into it. even a after film.
1: Ghost of Mars, I mean, he launched uh, a movie called The Ward, which I actually haven't seen, but I it, have was not par- seen it was that part one. of yeah. how Amber Heard got successful. I mean, she starred in it. Okay. And then I amidst all that, he also did a couple of little TV specials and things, but even now he's coming out with his fr- since The Ward, he's coming out with his first Directorial movie, I think, since 2010, or, or his his directorial TV series, Suburban Screams. So he's doing a show for Peacock that's all like horror based. Yeah, and I think it's coming out this Halloween. I think it's coming out soon. So yeah. I'll be interested in checking that out and uh, seeing what he has to do with that. And he didn't go away; he no. just wasn't as widely popular anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, he dipped not only in horror; he was very hefty into the action scene. Which,
0: well, it's it's strange, yeah. Too like. So, when I think it, it's it's weird for for me when I think John Carpenter, one of the first movies that comes to my mind now is Big Trouble in Little China.
1: It's one which, of my favorite movies, yeah, of which I time. think
0: is a great movie, yeah, it definitely has those. Carpenter horror elements going on, yes, but it. I would not. I don't know if I'd consider that a horror movie at all. I'd put that more like more action well, more adventure. A, yeah.
1: It's kind yeah. of in an Indiana Jones, realm. yeah,
0: absolutely. It has even though it's, it's so much, th- yeah, with Kurt Russell, meant to be and, funnier. It, it has that sort of a uh, little bit of like a Goonies vibe too. Yeah, uh, w- one thing I do like about a lot of his earlier films, like if you look at the Fog, Halloween, The Thing, mm-hmm. Big Trouble in Little China. What am I missing in in the 80s? What else? Uh, Escape from New York, here, Starman, Christine. Before we get too far in, yeah.
1: I want to talk Dark Star. Okay, because Dark Star is basically a primitive Star Wars that predates Dates Star Wars. See, I've
0: never seen Dark Star. What I was going to say, real quick, before we get into that, I was just going to say, even they live. There's the other one I was thinking of. Oh, I love they live. I love how I love stories that are smaller, like event stories. Like you think of the fog; it's <sighs> the stakes are high for the people in the in the town in the seaside town. But the scope, I guess, is what the word I'm looking for. The yeah. scope of it is contained. It's a smaller sort of like taking place in a.
1: It's basically, the origins of this town are th- are being torn down. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. and like the goats. thing,
0: the th- smaller knit, like there isn't that the the grand spectacle of this of of these of some of these movies is toned down more. Like they're more contained, smaller stories done really well.
1: Well, that also kind of taps into his philosophy with his composing as well, because he he takes very simple concepts with music, yes. but manages to make them feel very depth yeah, this, and found. The, and like,
0: and the earlier huge. movies, definitely, they are much more, like you said, simple concept. Yeah. That might be where maybe Ghosts of Mars and Escape from L.A. go a little bit wrong, or it, yeah. they, it tries to get too grand. They
1: get very, they try
0: to do a little too much, I think. Yeah. And you trying to like do that popcorn summer blockbuster Marvel film, whatever. Just a little bit too much. And it's, it sucks
1: because John is so good at making things just fun. Yeah. And I see how the, the wheels were turning there. Yeah. I see what he was trying to do. It just didn't all quite click and together. And that's for not those to ones.
0: say like I, they're not even I, bad movies. No.
1: They're just not huge critical successes. Yeah.
0: And like when I say, that he doesn't make blockbuster movies. I mean, in the sense of the the scope of it. Yeah, I'm talking like that. That Lord of the Rings facade going on. Yeah, there are these like epic stories. The epicness of it. They are much more intimate, smaller, contained, simple, simpler concepts done masterfully. Yeah, which I love about. It. Like like I said, like the thing for example, the, the, the cast is what I can't think of a horror fan twelve. That I- 12, 12, 12, something like that. Something like that, you have a very contained knit group. It is, it is essentially kind of like the haunted house here. These guys stuck in a situation they really can't leave because they're in Antarctica. And as far as the production,
1: interior production design there, I mean, you don't have, it's, it was very manageable. Yeah. They, they were able to build that on a set on a stage and control that environment very well. Mm hmm. But the amount of practical effects that they had to put into that oh was my God, the yeah. most insane of a oh, horror movie so
0: ever. W- one of the best practical effect movies. I always I consider
1: – we will go into the thing in, in depth at a, at a certain point. But yeah. what I, the main thing I love about the thing, it is the antithesis of the philosophy of Jaws and succeeds at doing it in spades. The hell did you just say? Explain this to me. <laughs> Jaws' entire philosophy is about not showing the shark as much as humanly possible. Oh, the thing leans into horrifying you yes, by it what wants it is to showing. show you
0: as much. And technically, though, you never really—I don't even think it has like an actual true form. Does the thing? I think it's more just no. It's just kind of ambiguous. It's, which is, I think, part of the power of that movie yeah that keeps it working
1: this science just the f- total fear of basically a biological entity invading mm-hmm. like that I mean COVID and everything yeah exactly I think exactly. that that had a resurgence during that time as well and then you have Halloween I think that the original Halloween we've batted this back and forth mm-hmm. a couple of times and talked about the invention of the slasher film yeah I it. mean Halloween I would credit <laughs> as even though there is contention there I would credit well, yeah, some as people do
0: say Did they say Texas Chainsaw
1: Texas Chainsaw usually
0: it's. They're definitely. Either way, however you want to, whatever camp you want to fall in, they're definitely the the progenitors of that. Yes. That genre. Yeah. No. Halloween.
1: I I I consider it to be the best of the slasher films, and the the push for the the starter, the starting gun, if you will, yeah. for the the slasher movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, just the the concept of the shape and you know i think the best form of michael and as we said we will dive deeper into halloween at a later date mm-hmm. but the the hollow nature of him as a character in that first installment i think is its best form personally. yeah it's just the, the unknown motivations to him. And I, I, John has talked about this topic at length in various interviews and whatnot. But, I mean, I, I agree with his, his takes on it. I mean, I, I don't think it was one that really needed a sequel because yeah. his vacant nature was just part of what made him so scary. The more yeah. you elaborate on that, the weaker the concept gets. So yeah. I, the 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 failings of some of those sequels, I think, uh, can be attributed to that.
0: Well, I love, too, and I'm going back to what I was saying the, the scopes of his stories yeah. it I think that's one of the reasons I like Resident like why I like it because it reminds me of Resident Evil too sometimes yeah. where like you're stuck in a smaller situation we're not necessarily dealing with a, a death star about to blow up the entire yeah. planet or something it's it's a smaller group of people who lives are on the line but they're they're normal people that tend to be if you look at the heroes in in like the thing the fog Halloween like just normal people. Yeah, this is this would I'd say be almost like the antithesis, depending on what movie you're looking at, of superhero stories. Yes. Even though it ha- has those elements, the hero is always at the disadvantage. I think and you could make the antagonist the, has all the power, which most good stories always do. While but, John
1: is like really great at horror, I think you can make the argument at. That is horror is the opposite of the superhero story yeah, yeah. as like a genre. Yeah. Because, I mean, various tropes going on, various pick and choose your preference. But I think generally the horror story is about adversity and failure, mm-hmm. whereas the superhero movie is about triumphing and exceeding expectations. Yeah. No, <laughs> so it's like yeah. they're they're diametrically opposed. There. Yeah.
0: But anyway, you were saying, okay.
1: Sorry, we went, we went through quite a lot there very fast. No, no, yeah. But you were
0: saying, too, you were mentioned. I've never seen Dark Star, but you were saying this is a Star Wars before it was so, Star Wars.
1: John has, like, from what I've seen in interviews and stuff, he's uh, Mr. Carpenter, John Carpenter. I don't want to pretend like I'm on a first-name basis. Mm, with hang on, the let, me,
0: let
1: me get to Chomp it down. <laughs> a
0: little ASMR action Ooh. coming at you. You can cut that out. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, go ahead.
1: He He's had very mixed opinions on it he's kind of just said okay yeah that's the one that got me started yeah but what i've always found very interesting about dark star was it's it's very like it's it's very similar to star wars okay it didn't get any esteem it didn't get no. any popularity when it came
0: out i mean star wars 2 is similar to movie tons of things that came yeah. before it
1: it was only just a few years later that star wars came out yeah it blew stuff like this completely off the map from being recognized <laughs> but then a few years later he came out with assault on precinct 13 and that movie is much better than I think it gets credit for. Mm-hmm. They did a pretty solid remake of it a few years back with Lawrence Fishburne and a few people. That movie was also very solid, but I mean, it's a testament to how good the original was. I yeah. think it was a really great, like, kind of like the thing. This like bottle episode of yeah. a story. Yes, yeah,
0: like, that's a good like. Yeah, that bottle episode that where, yeah, this you know, group I mean, that, of like that. It, it reminds me of a lot of like the original Star Trek yeah.
1: scripts s- series where like they're true. Yeah. Trapped in a box.
0: Yeah, you have something they run into. I'm trying to think like one of the like Devil in the Dark is a good episode. Yeah. I, I can like I can see all the episodes I yeah. don't have the names in my head. City on the Edge of Forever, that was one I'm trying to think of. Yeah. Star Trek wise. The Tholian Web. Oh, it, that is a good one. I Spectre do. Spectre like of the one. Gun. A Taste of Armageddon. All these what I what I really like about again, I'm kind of just repeating myself, but it's you have it it has that similar almost like serialized sort of, or story of the week yes. nature going on, which I in, really enjoy.
1: Like, like in the best way possible. That's like, yeah. I can see how somebody might hear that and think, oh, it's just sort of, the no, week. see, no. these
0: are things I, these are things that I love about, yeah. some of the carpenters movie and he stories. he
1: has that very accessible nature to him. He he comes off to me as very much the everyman director, which yeah. is such a rare thing because yes. they typically have such an ego and yeah, like, they don't feel like they've been through the same kind of life that you have. But I've always John is very crass. I've always enjoyed that nature about him. I mean, mm-hmm. literally in movies like they live, he he has the main character dying, flipping off the audience. Yeah. Like I I. <laughs> Can't tell you how much I love him just for that alone. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> That's Roddy E. R. D. Piper, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if commonly well-known for his bit part in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes. Tragically, we lost him a few years ago. We did. Um, but awesome, awesome dude. I love Roddy Piper. Uh, lost my train him. of thought. <laughs> oh, we were talking about, we were, we were on Darkstar. Yes. We've been on, I don't know, uh, about five different things at once here. Yeah.
0: But anyway, yeah, let's. Yeah, Darkstar
1: was really interesting. That's uh moving through like Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, that's
0: what I was going to say. Yeah. There was like a little bit there where they started kind of remaking 70s movies like sold on precinct 13 well there was a there was a big one, long-standing three, you know?
1: trend of redo like retapping and redoing john carpenter movies in general like they did it that prequel of the thing
0: yeah which i, I don't that
1: one i don't hate it don't i love don't it, hate it don't love it don't, love it, don't hate but, it but see my problem with it is the original is supposed to act as the prequel yeah so why do you need a prequel mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. that's my only real issue with people it. need money Because money, that's why. Another really interesting topic I do want to talk about is Christine and how Christine relates to In the Mouth of Madness. What? Because Christine is a Stephen King novel, Mm -hmm. and In the Mouth of Madness is very obviously a smear campaign on Stephen King. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Uh, Okay, yeah, I got you. So I do feel, given certain comments that King had, because King... Was very known for like not celebrating film adaptations of his. Well, oh yeah, I think
0: he had the same issue with The, the Shining, if I remember. Yeah, it right.
1: wasn't like, quite as bitter or hated heated, but it was just like I think King at some point stated that the only move, the only movie adaptations that got his material right was like Stand by Me and Misery, I think something like that, and which I
0: think you have. Yep, yeah, there it is.
1: I, as you can see, I there was a thought process here mm. <laughs> from what I pulled
0: out. This is premeditation that.
1: Yes. <laughs> I have a problem. <laughs> I also noticed that almost all the ones that I pulled out are either Shout Factory or... <laughs> and I was like, huh. Can't cannot sing the praises enough of Arrow Video Shout and Screen yeah. Factory. Great. They, they do the Lord's work <laughs> and getting... The finest remasters out there, but yes, we were we were talking Christine in the Mouth of Madness, like, like the the author in that the, Sutter Kane, Sutter Kane. Thank mm-hmm. you. I, I literally just watched it. You'd think I'd be able to remember Sutter Kane, and then they like directly, they almost comically directly state that it's not
0: Cain, not it's Stephen, Stephen King. King. There is a line in there. No, it's not. He's like Stephen. he's
1: outselling Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> <laughs> like just just definitely a complete shot ar- shot across the bow at stephen king but it's it's also kind of celebratory mm-hmm. of him in a weird way and just like the the vast library of monster movies that he's made i mean it, it was as much as it was a bit of a smear campaign against him it was also kind of a celebration for is him.
0: i didn't even i i didn't even think to look this up maybe i should mm. is mouth of madness based on lovecraft's Mountains of Madness, or, or is that the it, thing? Or it might be. I mean, it definitely has that Lovecraftian style. Yes, to it. both both that and Thing do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so this is. So I never knew this. Hmm. So Carpenter refers to the Thing, Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness as his Apocalypse trilogy. Uh,
1: I did not know that that was the intention.
0: Okay. That's I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're supposed to be. Oh, so yes, yes. Okay, so it does. It does pay tribute to. And the title is derived from Lovecraft's novella At the Mountains of Madness. Yeah, interesting. Which if you've never read Lovecraft, I mean... The, Very worth it. I agree. And now, of course, probably not the nicest person in the world. Definitely um, not. <laughs> but Mountains of Madness is a good, good horror story. Though I will say his writing, he keeps it vague on purpose, I, yes. I believe. Oh, so I, it can get a little difficult to read or like even I have to take some time and like try to picture what he's getting at. But I yeah. think that's the point. Mm-hmm. And that's where he gets that.
1: It's meant to kind of stir crazy. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yeah, yeah uh, exactly.
1: But yeah, I think, I think Prince of Darkness, they live are some of his more underrated ones. Mm-hmm. I, th- I, th- I wish that they had gotten more steam that they did, but that's just kind of where you, where the chips fell. Yeah. I mean, S- Starman also didn't get a lot of praise. Like I think it deserved, but it was just so off the beaten path of everything else he was doing. It was kind of more, it was kind of more of like along the lines of ET. Yeah. And it, I think it was like after E.T. stomped the thing at the box office was why that attracted him.
0: Well, it's almost like, (coughs) excuse me. It's almost as if he's sometimes John Carpenter can get caught and tell me what you think of this in between mainstream. Or like cult status in terms yes. of...
1: He lives somewhere in between the two. Yeah, because I, I wouldn't
0: I wouldn't put him... All of his stuff as perfect, like 100% cult. Following. I think
1: he's like the best B-movie director of all time. Mm-hmm. But because he came out swinging so hard with Halloween mm-hmm. and it landed so firmly in a box office success, yeah. he kept getting dragged up into other into things, the, yeah. which is great for him. I am so glad that that happened but I think it did kind of take him out of, out of element. And I think he kind of tried to make it back into yeah. that in later portions of his career. And he also, where a lot of people would say that his career skewed, I think that there were some changes in his personal life. Like he he got divorced from his wife around that time. There were some big changes for him. So Attribute those things where you will. I'm not certainly going to pretend to know the fine details, but there were some massive shifts for him. And at that time, he'd created a lot. I mean, he'd created basically a cinematic universe of, Awesome horror at the yeah. time. So what else we got going on here? I mean, that's uh, the, the series work that he did too. the, I forget the title of the, the series that he worked on. He directed several episodes of them, but he had a bit part in it where he played a dead version of himself. Yeah. <laughs> And it's one of my favorite things of all time. One of the ones that also I think that uh, is underrated for him is Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Yes, it's one of my favorite interpretations no, of the Invisible Man. That is
0: like I I've, I haven't seen that one in a while, but I love yeah Chevy Chase, Chevy Chase and, that, and Sam Neil. But Sam Neil is the one is the one going after him. Yeah, yeah. Is he a police which, officer in it or a detective? Which was
1: before in the Mouth of Madness. So yeah. I feel like they gained a rapport mm-hmm. after that and wanted to do some more. But uh, yeah, the, Sam Neill played a fantastic villain in that movie. Yeah. Whereas it, it just clicked and made sense for that. And it's like, why wasn't that an element of the original? Yeah. Like him being chased by the by the law so directly like that. But I, Daryl Hannah in, in that. But yeah, I think that that one's a little bit underrated. Mm-hmm. It, it, the, the freak accident nature, the, the, the twists that they took with it... Spinning it into more of a freak accident, not necessarily the intention of what the, what all the science was that they were trying to figure out. Yeah. It was just like literally somebody spilled a cup of coffee and it yeah. blew up the whole building. Mm-hmm. All the visuals in that one too, like the set design of like suspending different proportions different of things. Just even like the simple nature of you can see Chevy Chase's character the whole time. Yeah, but like playing it, like there were a lot of clever little tricks in that one. No, I, that, f- I feel
0: that that is an underrated one, definitely.
1: Yeah, it is kind of surprising that the thing was as early as On and. And his career as it was.
0: Well, yeah. If you... Okay, so if you had to pick... If you had to pick your favorite... John Carpenter movie no question overall. it's the thing it's the thing it yeah. is
1: unquestionably the
0: thing I would I would say the thing is my favorite too
1: I think amongst whor- I've, horror fans that I've talked to the thing is consistently number one in their category across yeah. the board not even just for Carpenter deservedly so it's an incredible movie I love the 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 nature of trust in that movie I love the ending scene in that movie the and it just ties so directly into its theme and lack of trust and is the thing going escape and yeah I think it just wraps well, yeah, up
0: perfectly. the paranoia of who is who's not and yeah. i
1: think it's only gotten truer with time how
0: important that movie is oh absolutely so you had mentioned he was into did we talk about him in, into games you had mentioned. oh he yeah was,
1: i i would like to dive into this so yeah i mean I, as far as like what titles he's played i don't know like high specifics mm-hmm. but i know that he is a very big fan of the game dead space, dead space yeah he actually petitioned studios to direct a film adaptation of it
0: that ha- that game has a John Carpenter like feel style. to it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which is why I think he was so drawn to it, and he like took a legitimate pitch. He like he went to the studios and was like, "I want to do this." Yeah. And he kind of got shut down, and then less than a year later, they announced from James Wan we're getting a Dead Space adaptation. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: And I was kind of like, just give it to the man. Yeah. Come on. That is certainly no knock to James Wan. I love his work in horror. He has made some of my recent favorites in Malignant I thought was a lot of fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Conjuring series is great I don't think the I, James Wan has a certain great certainly great seal of approval to touching pretty much any any type of genre that he wants but the fact that John Carpenter brought this to the studios and brought the attention of this forward and then you're just gonna slam the door in his face it's kind of like a
0: does that surprise you though that not that sounds
1: exactly like something that they would do but it's like I feel like that's where so much of John's like f- you attitude comes, comes from. from yeah is like he I feel like a lot of that happened to him because he's in a lot of the interviews I've seen with him he about talks about constant scripts that he was writing so I, I assume a lot of what he was trying and pushing forward went nowhere yeah and frustrated the shit out of him as it would anybody but I, I, I that's part of what I love about John is just his fuck you attitude and <laughs> I, I can't think of another director like him that has that <laughs> And it's just like feels so accessible and has that attitude like that is so relatable. I've, we've both been through our fair share of the, the film industry. Oh, yeah. And the more I
0: go through it, the more I relate to the you <laughs> attitude. Like, <laughs> well, being, it's, he's considered a master of horror. And we've talked about some of the, some of the other movies that you could argue are not horror. Yeah. But if, if we are talking about The Fog, The Thing. Vampires. Vampires. Village of the Damned. Village of the Damned. I yeah. always
1: forget about that one. They Live.
0: I think, again, I'll go back to what I said. I really do think that it comes down for me. It comes down to that. The, the execution of what's in frame and what's not. Yeah. What's told and what's left up to you as the audience to be a co-creator. Yeah. Of the story. And I think a lot of horror today kind of just relies heavily on market research, <laughs> <laughs> that too relies heavily on the quintessential jump scare. Mm-hmm. Yes, but the but to the point where it's it's cliche. Either it, it's 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 more like I feel like horror has gotten. And you tell me you're more into horror than I. I don't watch as much. It's gotten a little bit more formulaic, and like yes. people are not understanding it's, like why you're, you're doing something to throwing it in there, but you're not asking why am I doing that? Why am I, why break this war? Why make that happen? Other than because you saw it in other things recently. Yeah. Horror
1: has kind of climbed a ladder in I would say the last 20 or 30 years mm-hmm. to where it's more accepted mainstream. Yeah. Not totally, but more so than it ever has been. Yeah. These recent years. And I think that has come with a certain shaving off of things to the genre. Whereas like, Part of the appeal of cheap shitty B movies was that they were cheap and that yeah. they were shitty. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're having these like borderline Oscar worthy made movies that have like completely cut out the quote unquote bullshit. Yeah. And I think that that has been what a lot of horror fans have grown to love one of my favorite horror movies of all time dr giggles is horrible dr giggles it is terrible and I've that's kn-
0: why i love it because it is horrible <laughs> dr giggles
1: it is the worst sounds thing like a,
0: ever made it is so bad it sounds like a sounds like a defunct children's toy
1: yes it is not good but i love it because it is crap <laughs>
0: So that's definitely one of those guilty pleasures.
1: Yes. And and I'm certainly not equating that to John's work, but there's an element of that B movie in there. And I think that it is charm. It is it is an essence of its time for the genre yeah, and I think we've lost that a lot of that and whereas like film at the time for horror especially because horror was like not necessarily the bargain bin but it was the cheap accessible option for mm-hmm. filmmaking because studios knew there was only a certain audience of people that were going to go see it yeah. so they're like hey, here's a couple bucks go make something happen and it was that being left alone to do your own thing. I think that was a lot of the success of horror because a lot of creative freedom in that genre, where people were doing their own thing, yeah. because studios were just like, eh, go do whatever. Here, go go. Here's two dollars. Go make a movie. <laughs> you, what, what accent was that? What was that? Something.
0: Two like? dollars. It's, it's two dollars. Go,
1: go make a movie. Go
0: make a movie. I don't know what.
1: The it, very popular Boston film industry. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well yeah. One thing I one thing I love about Carpenter is I think this goes back to what I said. A lot of the almost almost like a minimalist in what he works with. And I don't know if that was more out of necessity yes, or if that's always a conscious like effort and decision when he's making this film.
1: One of the thing, big things I've noticed about him as a director is he shoots very quickly and efficiently. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily put the most mind-blowing piece of film you've ever, like mm-hmm. visually out there that you've ever seen, but he shoots extremely competently quickly. Yeah. And I think he, he does it better than anybody that was working at that time especially he knows how to just get in there, get it and get out. Yeah. Definitely
0: and, a working man's Like you said it every man. Yeah. Director
1: and more like that's why I, that's part of why I follow him so heavily because I feel like he's my kind of dude. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to know how to do things the way he does it because I feel like I can do yeah. that. I feel like he is my kind of guy, somebody I could go to a bar, have a drink and talk with. Yeah. As opposed to like some, somebody who's living in an entirely other, other stratosphere yeah. who I will never reach their level. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, again, that is not meant as a knock. That just means I I relate to him. I get him. And it only makes me love and try to understand him that yeah, way. Yeah,
0: fuck those other people. Yeah, and <laughs> fuck f- everyone else. <laughs> Was this is this going to be an explicit episode?
1: Oh, definitely. Oh, okay.
0: We didn't we managed to not do that a, for Trick
1: or Treat. I don't know how that I ended. don't know how
0: we did either.
1: Yeah. I knew I knew going
0: in this one was going to be yeah, no. I have a working job. I have to be careful now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who knows? You swear I, I, uh-huh. I didn't say I didn't say hey, okay. Hey, I went to Catholic school, all right. Oh, well, I did kind of just do it. I'm about to put my foot in my mouth, but I'm going to finish it anyway. Finish the I foot? was told. Yes. I was told as long as you don't say it directly to someone, swear words are fine. So like if like something hmm. something happens, it's not like a sin. There's nothing wrong with it. So like if like you like hit your toe and you're in pain, you can Dang slab it, but you can just shout out <laughs> shit, fuck, son of a ball shit, balls. <laughs> it's fine because you're you're reacting to the pain. Yeah. Now if I look at you and say, hey, fuck you. Now that I've crossed the line because I'm directing animosity towards you. Interesting. Yeah. I li- that, that's an interesting take. Yeah. Just just food out. for thought. Yeah. Anyway, I like it. Do with that what
1: you will. Yeah. Now I I do consistently come back to that we were talking that ending shot from or not, not that that ending moment for the the Roddy Piper's character yeah and they live it's like God is that relatable mm-hmm. like it's just it's it's so validating it's one of those extremely validating moments in cinema yes where it's like it feels okay to be totally against the system yeah and I I think that's that's part of John's charm part part of well John he Carpenter's
0: charm. well he and he had gone to USC, I think, right originally, and then he dropped out or I
1: believe so. I know he his original short that he did won an Academy Award for Best short. Oh, it that's did. part okay. of part of why he rose to success so fast because I mean he as soon as that happened, I mean, he was he made Dark Star. Mm-hmm. And some other things happened. but he he also he he was working pretty heavily in music, I know, and got some other irons in the fire at that time. but it was it was kind of t- until that that award for the short that directing really took off for him. That's the other thing I had forgotten until researching for this, that Halloween, he adapted from an idea he had for a sequel to Black Christmas. Oh, okay. He had actually pitched it to the original creator Uh of Black Christmas because they kept asking, like, well, what would you do if it was a sequel? He's like, oh, well, I'd do this. And they're like, all right, we'll just take that and make that a script. Yeah. And they did, and that was Halloween. Interesting.
0: Maybe I maybe I imagine <laughs> imagine things all the time. Yeah, it should be. Do you did you send me like an older? Yeah, maybe copy. Boss. You son of a. I don't know. Yeah, I have in, in beginning film course at USC Cinema during 1969. Carpenter I wrote and directed by Captain Voyeur. Oh, they rediscovered this shit in the in the archives in 2011.
1: Yeah, huh? There was there's been a lot of that going on.
0: Oh, he ultimately dropped out of school in the final senior semester to make his first feature film. That's yeah. some balls.
1: And I actually know a couple people that actually have done that. Dropped out of school, or to yeah, just purely had, to put that money forward to make a fee- make a make a movie.
0: If we were here, here's a, here's an interesting. Okay, if we were to make, and I pose this question to anyone listening: if you were if you if you're, if you're going to do a film, even doesn't have to be a film. It can be a TV show, it can be a film, it can be a book, it can be a poem, any form of art you want it to be, it can just be a painting, but it has to be in a John Carpenter tone or style what what are you doing what's what's like the first thing that sort of comes to your mind do you do you think horror do you think more adventure action.
1: I definitely think like somewhere in between. All of Somewhere that. in
0: between that? Yeah. Pitch me Pitch me your John Carpenter story, whatever project right now. Give me. Go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Let's do this. A priest
1: yeah. has to find a cat who is the source of all evil. The, what? <laughs> it escaped from a
0: veterinarian. And you're going to call this runt of the litter?
1: No, this is going to be
0: the Meowth of madness.
1: The Meowth of Madness. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, the mouth of Matt. That's it.
0: That's that's <laughs> it. That's a that's, that's that's the movie. There you go. That's, that's everything. Movie. Well, anyway, the point I was getting at is like it's it's difficult to, and this is a like a thing that everyone says don't ever do as like a writer or a filmmaker, but painters do it a lot all the time. At least I think they do. Don't quote me on that. Maybe it's musicians. It's one of so one of the other field disciplines out there in art is you try to emulate someone else's style. Yeah, not to copy them or it's not to, possible really. No, yeah, but just to help you practice. Yeah. and get better and learn your own voice in it. Now it's one thing that for some reason when it comes to writing, everyone's like no, 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 don't do that. Absolutely not. You'll drown your own voice out. I think, especially when you're starting, I actually think I would have benefited maybe a little bit from that. I'm well, not saying like you don't have to write a whole novel or make a whole film one way. Where I but see the benefit try to like just maybe just like a short story or come up with one scene and say okay, I want to try and do this scene the way John Carpenter would have. I don't would. think
1: that that does anything to benefit your own personal creative voice. What I think it does is it gives you a better practiced hand? At, yeah, it's at it's
0: the it's teaching you the skills outer edge stuff. No, like, I, I think it's just helping build the skills that you can use. Yeah, it helps. It's, it's, it helps it's, you it's, learn the skills. Not not. No, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying it discover your voice, but I'm saying that it is like you can learn okay techniques that you might not have thought of. About. Foot in the door, as it were. Yeah, so I think it's just like an interesting thing to like try out. Yeah, I feel I like it. It's something different. Like I tried going back, going back to like Lovecraft. I tried it one time, couldn't couldn't, obviously I couldn't write nearly as good as that, but it it did teach me a little bit of more of like, okay, how I can play with the words and how I can still paint a picture, but be vague and how that vague, how you doing that type of style does create like a sense of horror. Yeah. So if I am trying to go for something that I want to actually invoke some fear or terror in someone, I'm like, okay, I remember that technique. How do I now make it more my own? So there is something to be said in.
1: It's, I, it's I, almost like building backwards. Yeah. Like going going into something you like, bringing it back. Yeah. So you're doing less. Okay, I think it's
0: just a way to teach yourself other skills and other techniques that other artists, writers, performers have done in the past. Yeah. doesn't mean that it's 100%. You might hate it too, but at least then you know okay that's definitely not me and I'll just I'll pitch that out so what has he been doing now yeah. lately so I know we said he's more into the music or been cranking out but he had nothing to do with the more recent Halloween films correct
1: well he did actually he scored them and he was on the, he was part of the writing team now how much oh he, he was actually,
0: part, but he didn't direct
1: How them. he did not direct them okay. how much he was actually integral to those scripts I don't yeah. know Okay, but uh, he definitely did with his two sons do the scores for them and I think all three the scores are absolutely phenomenal yeah but yeah I mean he's he's still uh, even those re- the remakes of some of of his stuff he's been attached he's a writer or a composer in some way just to give it some weight and authority he does have coming up i'm excited to see suburban screams coming up on peacock oh okay yeah you
0: were talking about this yeah yeah
1: he's directing a small horror series for them it's just like a mini series type deal and it's just Something Peacock's building up their horror library, so they pulled him in to do a little thing. But it's like the first thing he's directed in, in a while, yeah. Almost 13-some years, yeah. so I'm excited to see what he does with it. that has got an interesting wide cast and a lot of newer actors, some people that aren't as well-known, so it yeah. should be fun watch. So. Just to see where his head's at, what he's cooking with is. I know I know. listening to Lost Themes, I know he's had a lot of stuff kicking around in his head, mm-hmm. like, so it should be interesting.
0: No, yeah, if you were, I, I would definitely say, regardless of, whether you like some of the films or not, I do think in terms of the pantheon of directors, creators, writers, musicians, I John Carpenter's in there.
1: Yeah, I think just the multi-talented he, yeah. he can write he can direct and he can score he definitely knows how to handle a camera because i mean even just as we were talking on the fog a lot of those b shots that mm-hmm. they inserted le- after that first edit he shot with his own hands so i mean he knows what he's doing on a lot of fronts in filmmaking and that's a, i think that's a rare quality and a lot of directors i think that they know how to communicate what they want but not necessarily how to pick up and do and he's definitely one that knows how to pick up and do and with that but so, well,
0: we keep going i was just like i'm did, good did plan. we want to yeah, I am like, and with that, the spoopiness, uh, yeah, comes to a. I don't, I don't know how it comes feel to about a pause, okay. not an end. Yeah. It comes I mean, to a pause. I mean, I may pick
1: up, I could pick up a horror cop topic here or there, but yeah, think, we'll still owe it. Yeah, but I, I know for sure, I, I want to do the Ring in the Spring because it's a Spring horror. The Ring in Spring, like not. Like the the movie The Ring. Oh, oh, in you want
0: to you want to do the oh okay. Uh-huh. I had no clue what you were talking about. Yeah. I was like, I've never heard of that one. Yeah. The Ring and Spring.
1: You know that classic movie. The that Ring that
0: classic movie with with Fred Astaire and Ginger <laughs> Rogers. The Ring and Spring. <laughs> <laughs> they were tap dancing all over the place. He jumped off a pole. He jumped off a pole. It's they had they had, in the they, they had they had carpet this thick in that movie. Ah,
1: Singing in the Ring. Singing in the Ring. Instead of the Ring. I'm full of bad ideas this episode. That's that's, <laughs>
0: that's the that's the Lord of the Rings prequel.